listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Always, it is your boy Pat Lane here with my guy Matt St. Jean. Of course, this episode of the Patriot Nation podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. And don't forget to go sign up at FanDuel.com/slash Boston. Matt, we're here. Training camp. We're here. Finally. It's it's the time of year when you can sit at work and you know that like at the start of the day you're getting nothing done because you're just going to be sitting on Twitter refreshing 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 waiting for updates and videos and it's just my productivity has never been lower. Yeah, no, this is what this is what happens, <laughs> and and this is one of the reasons why uh, you know it's nice being a, an educator. And I will say one of my favorite parts about Pat's camp is getting to see some of my fellow educators out there because we have the summers off. So I'm just sitting around doing nothing all summer long. That's not true about this summer, but usually I'm sitting around <laughs> doing nothing all summer and I'm like, all right, football's here. Let's go. So it was nice. I was able to see some of my buddies, coach Wes, uh, Wesley Burrow over there, uh, coaching. Um, he's a, he's a football coach. Love that guy. AWL Saber metrics. Great follow on Twitter. If you guys are, uh, if you guys want to uh, follow him up, he's a great guy. I met him in person for the first time. And my guy, B Kells, Brian Kelly, uh, loyal listener of the show. Good guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, former hall employee, um, you know, so it's nice to, you know, those are all three of those guys, are educators, they're off during the summer, just like I am. So we're able to get down to camp and kind of watch what's going on down there. I'm very lucky. You know, I, I understand I'm very lucky. I'm close enough to go to camp pretty much every day. If I want to, I have little kids running around, so it's not always easy, but I'm close enough to get down there and I have the summers off. It's like, a, it, you know, it's the perfect storm of being able to go to Pat's camp. Yeah, I'm so jealous. And usually I usually I try to get to at least one practice. I'm able to make it up there and go. I, it's not going to be the case this year, unfortunately. So you're my eyes and ears at camp. Right. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. And listen, we're happy. The chat is flying right now. We're very excited about this. Corey's in here. Uh, excited about it. Uh, excited about Mac. Uh, Thad Skywalk is up here. MA football guy, Matt Menino, who we're going to get to Matt Menino in a second because we got a little announcement with him already. Dark Blue Gold, of course, a Rams. What's up, guy? Um, we're excited. We're excited about this. People are excited about, about the first week of camp. It's been great. Let's get into Matt Menino, though, just for a second. The answer to the trivia question last week, uh, the last week's trivia question was uh, who started the the streak of undrafted free agents making the team. And, of course, that guy was Randall Gay. Shout out to my mom who uh, could never remember his name and would always be like, oh, that gay guy made a nice play again. And she just couldn't remember his name. And that was great. It was great. And so Randall Gay, a uh, guy who didn't even start at LSU, didn't start at LSU and and ended up playing significant time for the Patriots, a good player uh, for the Patriots and for that, quite a while. And that 4 team, I mean, they got, the secondary got decimated, yeah. decimated by injuries. And his contributions ended up being huge for them because of that. You know, you got Dexter Reed and, and Troy Brown on defense in the Super Bowl. Like, what's going on? I know. And that team was a wagon. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Ty went down and he stepped in for Ty Law. So, 
It's, there's uh, that I, I was I was watching it the other day, uh, the 04 DVD, and they were talking about that game to they went out to St. Louis to play. And that was the yes. one they were banged up and they told Troy Brown, I depend on who can go. Either one guy gets hurt or two guys get hurt and you're going in to play. They leave for the game and it's if one guy gets hurt, Troy Brown is going to play on defense. The first play, Asante Samuel gets hurt. Yeah. And Troy Brown's playing 99% of the game on defense. Right. It's crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Picks off Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. It's like amazing. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, so, so Matt Menino, congrats on, on getting that one in like 0.2 seconds. We'll see how fast mm-hmm. people get the one, uh, at the end of the, at the end of the episode today, in case you yeah. didn't, in case you didn't follow along last week, you weren't here at the end of the episode last week. We're going to be asking a trivia question right at the end of the show every week. And the first person to guess it either on the stream or, uh, on a YouTube comment later on, uh, will be entered into a drawing. And I think we're going to do, we're probably going to do two drawings, uh, during the year. We'll give you something special from the pro shop. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll have that going. Uh, we'll have that going on. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're the first one to get to get the trivia question, this this week's question is a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. It's not impossible, like it. but it's a pretty good one. Um, and so, so we'll see. We'll see if people can get it. But we'll we'll get to that point. Yeah. What what people want to talk about is is training camp, right? And today yeah. was the first day of pads, right? I wasn't there. I went to the Franco Park Zoo with the kids today, so so I wasn't at training camp today. But sounded like a physical day of camp. I love that they went goal line at the end. I absolutely love that Jelani Tavai was in there at fullback again. Like to me, that's the type of stuff where the team's having fun. Like Belichick loves doing that stuff. He likes to have fun. I know people don't think he does. He likes to have fun. He likes to do fun things like that, right? Like putting Richard Seymour in at fullback and having Mike Vrabel catch touchdown passes at, at tight end. And Tom Ashworth was running friggin' was, was running flats into the back. I mean, I, I think on, on one of the, cause I was watching all the clips of, um, of Vrabel touchdowns and I'm almost, I don't know if it was Tom Ashworth. It was 68. I think it was Tom Ashworth that was playing fullback on a play where Vrabel caught a touchdown pass and he was running a flat into the, into the end zone. I'm like, you got a linebacker and an offensive lineman running a routes on the goal line. It's incredible. One of Tom Brady's last like touchdown passes in New England was to Landon Roberts because yep. that was I think that after Jakob Johnson had gone down I believe he was the fullback that he was, was Heather Pierce Jefflin yes um, and he he was oh that's right down. Matt Menino says uh, Ashworth had a touchdown catch of his own from Tom Brady how about that um, but yes that was one of those where like everyone in the stands was just screaming at them to throw the ball to Landon Roberts because they never they just blitzed everyone and just literally just didn't cover him. And then one time they ran the all out blitz and they just dumped it off in the flat to him and he ran like 15 yards for a touchdown. It was incredible. Wild. Yeah. So hey, they, they ran out. It's, and it's one of those things like it's, especially when you watch Tavai play on defense, he's so physical and it loves lowering his shoulder into people. And it yep. makes sense. It would be a good fullback. Right. On the other side of things, there's a little bit of me that's like, we're going, this is week one of training camp and this is our best option at the goal line. Like I, I like having the wrinkle, but. I don't love that we're here. We already think this might be our best option. <laughs> right, right. And Thad does. I, I've blocked out the ending of that game, Thad. So don't worry. I, I pretend like the ending of that game didn't happen. So we won't. We just won't. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> that Atlanta Roberts game. But nevertheless, listen. Camp has been. I think the biggest takeaway from camp, and, and it's hard. It's hard to take much away from camp at this point, right? It, it's really hard to take that much away, right? Because at the end of the day, it becomes a situation where you look at it and say, oh, well, this guy's playing this. I'm, I'm charting Mac Jones's passes. And I'm trying. And it's like, well, 
Yes, but they're not they're not calling an offense. They're just out there running plays, right? It, it's very different. And this defense, by the way, is fantastic. So, you know, you have to you have to also say stuff like that. But I will say that I do think where guys have been playing, that makes a big difference, right? I think mm-hmm. Christian Gonzalez is a guy, and no one's really talking about Christian Gonzalez because they don't have to. Like he was the number 17, though he was the number 17 overall pick. From day one, he's been the number one corner on the team. Not like in the mix. No, no. He's been the number one corner on the team. They've rotated the other position on the other side. John Jones has played it. Marcus Jones has played it. Jack Jones has played it at times. Christian Gonzalez is playing the number one cornerback role and has been since the first, second OTA started. Like that, you know what I mean? That's just, that's it. Uh, Mass football guy. Thanks for showing up, man. We appreciate you. Um, Yeah. You know, but that's, but that's but I, it's what you love to see. Like when yeah. you draft a guy that high, this is they clearly like them. And I know, like, there's we can talk about the draft and all this stuff. Like when you draft a guy in the first round, it needs to be a guy who can play right away. And the fact that he just kind of seems to have hit the ground running with no hiccup so far, I'm sure that'll change. There's no, there's no player in the league that comes in and there's no hiccups at any point. He'll he'll have his moments. And I'm sure as the pads come on here and the physicality ramps up and. Uh, we get into especially joint practices. I think we'll learn a lot more about who some of these guys are, which I think my number one takeaway from this past week is I can't wait for joint practices. That's what I'm looking forward to now. But um, just getting through this much with Christian Gonzalez and like the beat writers are already kind of like not mentioning his name because there's nothing to talk about. It's just, you're going to put him out there and you're going to put him on one side of the field and he's going to shut down whatever happens. And we're focused on the other side because the spot's taken (laughs) Right. It's really, it's incredible. And, you know, and again, like I said, we're not even bringing it up. It's like, nah, he's just there. He's just the guy. We all, we already know he's the guy. We don't have to worry about it, you know? So it's, um, it's really interesting. And so I think that's great. I'm, I'm very excited about that. And then when you start looking at the other side of the ball, or I'm sorry, let's, let's, I, I skipped ahead here. Marte Mapu has been running with the ones as well. Um, He's also been running with the scout team defense, which is weird. I, it's like one of those things where, and I don't know if it's a if it's running drills, and he's not going to be in the defense when it's running. I'm not 100 percent sure, but he's been well, on scout team too. It's weird. Well, they've said he's playing linebacker with the first team and safety with the scout team. So my guess well, is go. that's how they're getting him looks at multiple yeah, spots. Both. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Um, it's a good point. And so, and the other guy, of course, is is. Pop Douglas, Demario Douglas, which everyone, you know, he's been the buzz of camp because from the second camp started, he's been running with the ones. And again, he's not like, he's not like Christian Gonzalez where he's always out there, but he's been catching passes from Mac Jones consistently all camp long. And he's been playing with Zappy a little bit too, but he's consistently in that first group. And I think that that's one of those things that, you know, I'm really excited to, to to kind of see what happens from there, but he has that short area burst and quickness that they love from their slot receivers that they haven't had since Edelman retired, right? And realistically, they haven't had it since week two of the 2020 season because Edelman was a shell of himself after that Seattle game, and they haven't had it since then. And so, yeah. you know, that's something that could really, really help this team out a lot, I think. And that's something I think we've been, I mean, they've been looking for that for a while, but then with a guy like Mac Jones out there, like 
Especially, I, I, I don't expect him to be a guy who's going to make as many big-time throws as other guys. So if you're going to win with Mac Jones, it's going to be because you have other guys who can create after the catch. And you have guys who can catch the ball two yards down the field and turn it into a six-yard game. That is incredibly valuable for what this team likes to do. Stay on schedule, allows you to keep running the ball, allows you to use your play action a little bit more. And it means, you know, if you if first down, you're able to if things are covered, but you can dump it off the duckless in the flat. He breaks the tackle and takes it for six yards. Now, second and four, you got two plays to get those four yards. You just have more flexibility with what you can do. And there's less pressure on any individual player to make a play, which makes it easier. Douglas Douglas, I think, is the kind of guy who if he plays for a different school, if not at Liberty, he gets drafted way higher. Right. Um, they got to work with him at the Shrine Bowl too. Like obviously Zay Flowers was the talk of the Shrine Bowl. This is a guy with a similar skill set who they also got to work with and see what he's like day in and day out. And he doesn't quite have that high end athleticism, I don't think. But they're not. I mean, they're not asking this guy to go out there and be, you know, Cooper Cup or Devonte Adams or you know any but Jamar Chase. Like they're not asking him to be that. They're going to ask him to work in the slot, be a gadget guy at first, and and go out there and make the fourth or fifth best guy in the secondary on the other team miss. And I think he can do right. that at least day one. We're going to find out here. That's for sure. We sure are. Yeah. And you know, like you say, I mean, yes, he's not going to be, he's not going to be that number one wide receiver, but I do think that there's a, certainly a chance that he comes in and contributes right away. Um, you know, and again, in that slot role that they love, right. And they use so much. And I think Mac Jones, and you mentioned him not making, you know, a ton of big time throws. I think the biggest thing is that he's going to have to win with his mind. He's going to have to do what we all talked about when he came out. I think the RPO, we're going to see a decent amount more of you're seeing a little bit of already in camp. I think you're going to see more of that this year from Mac. Cause I think he excels at that. He excelled at that in Alabama. And I think he, he can, he has a chance to excel at that here. I think the touchdown pass to Kevin Harris, which didn't yes. happen today, it happened yesterday. Um, it really exemplified what that means. And so, you know, it was a dump off to Kevin Harris, but they brought the house. He knew it was coming. He knew everyone was coming. He also knew that it was man coverage everywhere. And the only guy that wasn't covered was the running back. So instead of the running back staying in the block and him trying to hit, you know, make some crazy back shoulder throw to someone, he said, well, just go to the flat and you'll be wide open. And Kevin Harris caught it and walked in for a touchdown. And so it's yeah. those types of things that you see where it's like you can make that quick adjustment and get a guy open. You don't have to make a crazy play. You don't have to be Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or someone. You don't have to do that. But you can win with your mind by knowing what's going to happen and seeing what's going to happen and then anticipating it, right? And so do I do I hope that his arm has improved a little bit? I do. I hope his decision-making has improved a little bit since last year as well, although I think an offensive coordinator, a real offensive coordinator, is going to help with that. But th that's the biggest part where I think he needs to make that step up is seeing the defenses and making those reads, obviously post-snap, but also pre-snap as well, to get them into the right thing, see what's happening, and then bam, there we go. Yeah, and I think there's also, with Mac in particular, there's a lot of just like not doing the wrong thing. Like you're not, not going to go broke making a profit. If you're just, you know, avoiding the sacks, avoiding the interceptions, this is a, something we saw from day one last year, and I think it was the piece from maybe Andrew Callahan or, or Karen. I, I don't remember who it was who had that real long-form piece talking about some of the stuff that was going on in the building last year. But one of the examples that had been mentioned was that they 
VA guys on the offense going to Matt Patricia saying, hey, we have this. What's our check if the other if the opponent brings a blitz? And they said, we'll get to that later. And that's not really a we'll get to that later kind of question. And here we are seeing that. It's week one, and they already have that in, and they're executing it. And that's, I mean, that's an area where we know Max Mind can operate and he can excel. And this team has enough guys who can break tackles if you just give them the ball in space in a situation like that. That's Kevin Harris that time. That's Ramondre Stevenson out there. You don't, I don't, I don't want to be one-on-one with Ramondre Stevenson in the open mm-hmm. field, I'll tell you that much, or yeah. Demario Douglas or Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is another guy who falls into that category because he's yes. big and he is shifty. So he's just right. he's a big target to hit, and he's hard to bring down for defenders. And just having guys like that, and you know, throw, throw Kendrick Bourne into this too a guy who's shown explosive ability after the catch, getting guys like that involved in those hot routes where Mac can see what happens before the play, win with his mind, create an easy completion, and a couple times a game, and that turns into a big play or a chunk play because of the talent of the guy you've got there. Right. It's totally true. And, and I think, look, I mean, we all know how people feel about this, you know, this skill position group, right? We all know how they feel about it. They think it's terrible and they stink and so on and so forth. And and I and I agree to the fact that there is no number one wide receiver. That's true. But I also think that, you know, they have they do have a lot of number two and number three guys. And I think they can be high end number two and number three guys. I mean, I think Devontae Parker is a high end wide receiver too. I think Kendrick Bourne showed the ability in 2021 to be a high end wide receiver too. Right, I think Juju Smith-Schuster has a chance to be a high-end number two. So, okay, maybe there's not a wide receiver one. If you get three guys that are high-end wide receiver twos, that's pretty good, right? That's not like amazing. It's not you're not going out there saying, "Oh my God, that one guy is going to kill us." But if all three of those guys can be effective and in different ways as well, I think that that can really impact things. And then we'll see what Tyquan Thornton can do. Right? We'll see. Yeah. I don't know, but he brings the type of speed that not many guys. Forget about the Patriots. That not many guys in the league have, and so I think that that's something that's going to be interesting. So, you know, we'll kind of yeah. we'll kind of see what happens. And I, I one thing I kind of noticed reading the training camp reports, and maybe you can speak more to this from from what you saw being there. It sounded like the team kind of struggled in the red zone, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit concerning, but isn't overly shocking. But when they actually went the length of the field, the offense looked a lot better. When they went no huddle. The offense looked a lot better. That doesn't surprise me. Bill O'Brien's really good with no huddle stuff. It right. forces defenses to do simpler things, which makes life easy on Mac Jones. It puts guys in positions to win. And I think this team, this offense can win between the 20s this year. I mean, that's such an improvement from last year because it means, first of all, you shouldn't have as many three and outs. So if you pick up 20 yards and punt and you're starting at your 30, well, the other team's starting inside their own 15-yard line probably. And that helps out your defense. And it's going, to, it's going to set you up for lots of field goals, which I don't know. I don't know if you're beating the Chiefs by going down there and kicking seven field goals, which is what things look like. It might be the case uh, here in week one of training camp. But if you're hitting field goals on you know most drives, you can get a couple touchdowns here and there. You're going to beat a lot of teams, especially with right. this defense. Well, I think too. You know, some of the red zone struggles. Now, listen, they they did it today. They went two. Now they were at the two yard line, but nevertheless, they went two mm-hmm. for four, right? So they were fifty percent from the two yard line today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran one with Kevin Harris. 
is Tavai got blown up by Jabril Peppers. And, and someone in the chat mentioned Jabril Peppers. And, you know, he's a guy that when the pads go on, as we saw today, he can bring, he can lay the wood on guys. Um, and he's a guy who loves flying around and hitting people. So yes. I'm excited about what Jabril Peppers can bring as well. Not a lot of people are talking about him because of the young talent that people brought in. But but I think he's, you know, he's definitely going to be a good a good player. For them, and and then uh, I think that there was a pass to Henry, which I feel like it sounded. People said it sounded like a, a miscommunication between Mac and Henry. Henry was supposed to be deeper into the end zone, and he wasn't. That's what it sounded like, at least. And the last one was a run by Pierre Strong. But the, here's the point I'm trying to make: the long-winded way of saying this. There was red zone struggles at the beginning, right? They did not run a play outside of the red zone in the first four practices, right? But there's no threat of the run. When you don't have pads on, you know you're not running the ball. So the entire defense, A, knows I can go tee off on the quarterback. That's number one. And then number two, all the linebackers and safeties know it's going to be a pass. So they're all prepared for a pass and not even looking at the at the even possibility of a run, which makes it that much more difficult. And so I think that, you know, I think we can now listen, I'm not saying they're going to be like amazing in the red zone, but I think we can kind of take a look at that and say, okay, it's not, it's not, you know, doomsday scenario because it is a difficult situation for, for the offense to be in. Um, yeah. And, but, and it'll be, it'll, it'll be easier than that. And this is a couple points here, but right at the top, like I'd said earlier in the show, I can't wait for joint practices. This is why, you're, right now, you're practicing in the red zone with no threat of the run against one of the best defenses in the NFL at defending the pass when they know it's right. coming. Right. This is going to be about as hard as it gets all year, and it's week one when these guys are still ready to learn how to play together. It should get better. I don't know how much better it's going to get. I don't know how high the ceiling is for this offense, uh, but it should get better than what it is. The other side of things is that this defensive backfield doesn't have a lot of guys who are massive. Uh, right. There's a lot of undersized corners. And with Demonte Parker, Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry as some bigger bodies out there, I think you would expect still a higher percentage right. with some I of agree. these looks. I know it was mentioned that some of those guys had a hard time pulling down contested catches. And maybe it's just a bad couple days for them. That happens, and that'll that'll change as we, we go along. But those are guys who I think – like Mike Kosicki is going to make his money in the red zone for this team. I'm pretty sure with what he can do and maybe the high red zone, maybe, you know, the 15 to 20 yard line where he can run that seam and really take take advantage of some space. But this is, that's an area of the field where you want those three guys to win. And I'm, I think that's something to follow the next couple of weeks as we get into real action here is how do they look in the red zone? Can they turn field goals into touchdowns for this offense? I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, there's been there's been a bunch of questions. People are in the chat, and we appreciate you guys uh, in the chat. There's multiple questions about Zeke um, and even Dalvin Cook as well. So Dalvin Cook was in Miami today, left Miami without a contract, right? What mm-hmm. From the sound of it, right, the, the reports are that both sides were happy. It went well for both sides, but they, they hadn't worked out a contract just yet. He's the top guy. He's the number one back on the market right now outside of Jonathan Taylor, but he's not a free agent. Um, He's the number one back in free agency right now. And so that's going to be the catalyst for everything else. I think that Zeke and really everyone else is waiting for Dalvin Cook to sign. It seems like Dalvin Cook is going to sign in Miami, but here's the thing, right? If the Patriots are sitting here saying, listen, 
Zeke, man, I don't know. We'll give you one year, $3 million, you know, million, million guaranteed or 1 million, you know, we'll give you up to $7 million, but only two of it's guaranteed and, you know, whatever, right? Whatever the case may be. Zeke might say, ah, yeah, maybe I'll take it. Maybe I won't. He doesn't know what the value is. He doesn't know what his value is yet because he has to see what Dalvin Cook signs for. Now, if Dalvin Cook signs for that contract in Miami, well, now the Patriots can say, well, you're not Dalvin Cook. Sure, we'll give you the same contract, but a little bit less, right? Yeah. So I think that everyone's waiting for that for the first shoe to drop, that Dalvin Cook one is going to be the first signing, I think. Yes. Now, you know, the, the, the other part of it, there's not a ton of rush from anyone, it seems like, to get this to get a deal mm-hmm. done. I would think that it'd be get done before the first preseason game. No, I don't mean the game on Thursday night at the Hall of Fame, which is kind of crazy at this football this week. This um, week, we made it. Pretty like well. we're here. Like actual football. I mean, not real football. It's not a real game. Well, but hey, like, you, Thursday, the Jets are playing, right? They are. Because you saw who's playing. Get your popcorn ready for this game. It's Zach, it's Zach Wilson time. Like oh, I, baby. Hey, he's looking way better now. Football. Now that he's not the number one quarterback and that Aaron Rodgers is looking way better. Way Turns better. Life's easier when you only go against the second team <laughs> defense. I'm going to so, carbon but, copy uh, ba- Bailey Zappi on that one just for all the people who are comparing numbers between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi right now and, and making comments. Yeah, I just, yeah, the, yeah, whatever. That's the whole, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I don't even want to get into that because it frustrates that. It frustrates me to no end. But, but anyways, but as far, as far as I'm concerned, right, it does seem as though Dalvin Cook's going to be the first shooter to drop. And maybe the Patriots will sign Cook. You know, I don't know. So, so we'll kind of see what happens. But I just think for me, that's, um, that's what's going to be. That's what's going to happen, right? Is that he's going to sign, and then we'll go from there. Queasy B uh, saying his his youth football coach's name was Pat Lane. It was not me though. I don't. I don't think. I don't know how old you are, but maybe it was me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I'm hoping they bring Zeke in, and I'm going to say some of what I think are the most ridiculous words to come out of my mouth ever I'm on excited. on a show like this. I'm excited. That is man. Ezekiel Elliott can really fill the hole that was left by Brandon Bolden when he left. And it sounds so dumb, but it's true. The guy who can come in and yeah. be your third down back because he's a really good pass protector and solid as a receiving option and can also be a short yardage threat for you. I was like, Zeke's not playing special teams. That's probably why they got Pierre Strong repping a whole bunch out there. Right. Um but I don't know. Zeke's not going to cost a ton. He's experienced. I'm not worried about coaching him up to speed. It's going to be his, he's going to go out there on third down some of the time, and they're going to have him block, and they're probably going to bring him in near the goal line and things like that. So I'm not worried about timing on it either. Right. I think he's signing too. Like half the team followed him on Instagram. He's getting dinner with Mac Jones. I feel like they're just working out the numbers and waiting on the timing. But he's he's a patriot. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And you know it's. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I think that's really interesting to me. That's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. The Brandon Bolden one that threw me for a loop right there. But I mean, Zeke had what twelve rushing touchdowns last year. Like he was a guy that they put in at the goal line and he'd get in the end zone, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, so we'll see. And, but and there's a lot of overlap between what Ramondre Stevenson does and what Ezekiel Elliott does. Like they're both really good in pass protection. Right. They can both be very good in short yardage. Stevenson, you know, just has a lot more in the tank right now. So Ramondre is going to carry the ball most of the time. And Ezekiel Elliott, maybe five carries a game right now. Yeah. Maybe 10, probably not. Like, I think you're you're in that five carries, 10 snaps kind of range for him at this point. And it's also going to be dependent on what Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong give you. Because mm-hmm. 
I, I don't expect it, but there's a world here where they sign Ezekiel Elliott and then he doesn't end up making the 53 because your other backs are, are better than you expect. I don't think that's the case. I think they need the depth. Ezekiel Elliott's still a good player, but yeah. that's not like it wouldn't absolutely rock my world if that happens. Yeah. No, and that's that's a good point too because there isn't – it's not a guarantee that whoever they sign, whomever it is, makes the team because they do have two rookie running backs. But again – I think JJ Taylor is pretty much at this point. I think his sh- that ship has sailed. So I think you know you probably you keep him not on the practice squad. I mean, he's well, you, apparently he's right. good at that. <laughs> he is quite good at being a practice squad player. But but you know, I I just think you you really have to keep more than three backs on the active roster. It's just just not enough on the fifty three to have only three backs. And so especially where we saw Ramondre breaking down um, towards the end of last season, I just feel like you need another guy. And Dark Blue Gold points out that he can teach the guys how to eat cereal as well. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great clip for anyone who who didn't see that. Um, yes. Before uh, before oh, ahead, there's yeah. any more comments here, do we want to w- hear from our sponsors real quick? Uh, I think that's a great idea. Let's do that. Okay. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two hundred dollars. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 21 and up and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. Yes, we are back. Um, so let's get into some of these comments because people have been asking uh, quite a few comments, and, and a lot of them are quite good, I would say. Um, so the Ty Montgomery thing is interesting. Ty Montgomery is switching to wide receiver. Of course, he got banged up on a terrible throw by Trace, Trace McSully, who just, uh, he just stinks. He just stinks, man. He's so bad. And I, I, I feel like the reports were like after day two of OTAs, too, we knew that. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked they – they didn't cut him and sign somebody else, but I just think they need a camp body. They just need someone else to throw passes. I think is really is really all it is. It sounds like he's bad for a camp body. I'm kind of shocked they're not looking for just anybody else that they can have take those those reps. Yeah, I, I guess it's not terrible. That's not a terrible point. Um, so, anyways, Ty Montgomery. I mean, yes, wide receiver. He's really like a wide receiver slash running back. That's the only reason I could. If a guy like Zeke didn't make the team. I think that, you know, say they sign Zeke and whoever they sign, because you feel like they're going to sign a running back. If they don't make the team, that's the only way I think it happens is if Ty Montgomery plays more running that running back than we're expecting. And then Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris become the, those change of pace guys that come in and spell Ramondre 
Um, and, you know, Harris becomes that guy who's kind of up the middle, power runner near the goal line, and Strong becomes that guy who can give you a little bit of flash when he goes in there. So, um, but I don't, I don't think that that, I don't think that does anything to Mario Douglas because he's not, he hasn't really been running in the slot like Douglas has. He's more have been coming out of the backfield a little bit, a little bit of slot action, but mostly coming out of the backfield. And so that's kind of where yeah. I think ties, uh, where he's going to make his money. And I have, I kind of have a follow up on this and shout out to a uh, delusional Patriots fan for, for the question on this one. Um, because you've been there. I feel like we haven't heard a lot of Pierre Strong discussion in general in camp. Have, have they used him in that receiving back role at all from what you've seen? They have a decent amount. And so, you know, Ramondre missed practice today and was limited a few other times. So he's really been the number one back. Um, and he's caught passes out of the backfield. He's ran the ball quite a bit. This is pretty good. I mean, again, it's, you know, today was the first day with pads on. So it's a little different, right? I, I didn't see today. But from what I saw out there, he's still, I mean, he's fast. We all know he's fast, but yeah. he's a pretty good running the ball. And he's he's been pretty fluid catching the ball out of the backfield as well. And so I think that he could be that change of pace guy that catches the ball out of the backfield. And again, I think I think he's a good enough runner that he could do more than that. Yeah. Well, I think this, this sets up this really interesting, almost four-way positional battle for I don't even know how many spots between Kevin Harris, Pierre Strong, Ty Montgomery, and Demario Douglas. And they all have little bits of overlap with one another. And it's just kind of balancing who's a good, who's the best at different skill sets and how many guys you want to carry at certain positions. Like, would you rather keep right. I don't know, Ty Montgomery or Demario Douglas? Because you got the running upside of Montgomery with the youth of Douglas. And then you know, they cut Kevin Harris last year, but now he's the first guy up after Ramondre Stevenson gets hurt. And Pierre Strong has been playing a ton of special teams, apparently, from what I've read, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I don't feel like is a great sign for what they think of him. But they also might just think he's a really good special teamer. Like, yeah, they all provide different things. They all have weaknesses in their games. And it's just a matter of weighing the, their different abilities. And I think that's right. I, if I had to bet, I think Montgomery probably the odd one out right now if Douglas keeps playing like this. Well, and I'll tell you, but, you know, Mike uh, Larry pointed out, he said, you know, Montgomery could play two spots, but can't stay healthy. Like, is he even worth keeping? And and that's, that to me is a great question, right? Like, is, can Ty Montgomery stay healthy? He just, he got hurt last year, ended up on IR, got hurt again this year. So you wonder, like, is he a guy that just consistently gets hurt and can't stay on the field, Right. Can't yeah. make the club from the tub, as they say, right? So well, like, he's also yeah. Oh, and if he if he can do multiple things, but he's your sixth best wide receiver and your fifth best running back, is he actually good. worth keeping? I mean, right. is he in theory that's great, but will he ever see the field? Right, right. And so that's that's the thing. Now the thing about him is that every time he's on the field, he makes plays. Every single time he's on the field, he makes plays, yeah. whether it's in the preseason game. Whether it's in the regular, he came back for week one last year, even though he was hurt. And then when IR for the year is weird, but but he like every single time he's on the field, he makes plays. So that's the only argument that you could look at and say, well, if the guy could just stay healthy, he's a good player, right? And so I don't know if he will or not, but we'll see. And I think that that's going to be, and, and as you said, that is, and there's a lot of places we can look, but that is, you're talking about skill position guys, kind of the end of the roster at wide receiver and the end of the roster at running back is really interesting. That's the one that's fascinating. And Murph says he doesn't think that they're going to sign a running back unless his injury. And he certainly might, you know, he certainly might be right. I mean, it's, it's, 
that's going to be fascinating. I just think, you know, because Montgomery there and Strong and Harris, and then the bottom of the guys, Demar Douglas, Kayshawn Booty has looked good. Jalen Hurd, someone asked a question about him. He's looked okay at times. He's been, he's been running a lot with, really hasn't played with the ones at all. You know, but he's a guy who gives you, is big and gives you speed and so on and so forth. So I don't know. That, that's going to be really fascinating to kind of see what happens. And then, of course, you never know. Guy gets hurt. He ends up on IR. Now, all of a sudden, someone else can step in because that guy goes down. So, and that, and that right there is why you work at, that's why you work at a guy like Leonard Fournette, too. I mean, nobody has signed Fournette. And I feel like there's a pretty decent chance we get to the regular season and he hasn't signed anywhere. And if it's, if it's week three and Ramondre Stevenson pulls a hamstring and needs to miss a couple weeks, that's when you, you call on Fournette and say, Hey, buddy, we need you for right. a couple weeks here. And we know we worked you out a month and a half ago and you still got something left. So we're going to, we're going to ride you for a couple weeks and see how you look. <laughs> yeah, no, true. And Josh Potter mentions, you know, we need, we need Jake Andrews back. We need Calvin Anderson back. We need Mike on back on when it was interesting yeah. because, you know, Bill Murray has stepped in and looked pretty good at right guard, uh, which has really been interesting to see Mike, uh, to see Bill Murray, a, a former defensive lineman playing offensive guard and doing it pretty well. Um, and so, you know, I mean, who knows, but, Calvin Anderson is a guy for me that's really strange. He's on the NFI list, which means it's not a football injury. I know, but he's been out since the beginning of camp. Yeah. So I don't know what the heck is going on. And that was a guy that I was hoping, I was hoping that he would, that he would compete for that right tackle spot. And it, I just don't know how, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be. And without knowing what's going on, too, it is really tough to project because it could be something that he's just getting over something. He shows up to camp tomorrow, and in 24 hours, this podcast looks real bad or something. And it looks like he didn't miss a step, and he's completely fine, or he could miss the season, or, you know, he could come out there and he's not himself and could go in so many different directions from here. You just, it's such a question mark. Uh, The flip side of that is that. Uh, that right tackle spot, I know it's a question mark right now, but it sounds like Connor McDermott absolutely still yeah. in the mix right 100%. now. 100%. I, I, yeah. I feel like there's a world here where they trot out the same starting five offensive line that we had in week 18 last year and week one this season, and I wouldn't hate it because I feel like you have better depth behind them and better coaching to put those guys in a good position. I actually wouldn't love that, and that would be you know, Trent Brown – Cole Strange, David Andrews, um, Michael Wenu, and and Connor McDermott there as your five on the line. Right, it's not the worst five in the league. It isn't. No, McDermott gives you like McDermott gives you like C to C plus play at right tackle, and it's not great, but it's not awful. And that's kind of like he's reliable. He's a guy that you know isn't going to screw up too much, but he's not a great player, right? And so if you can live with that, then fine, right? And so, you know, old man mob is asking about DJ Fluker and Andrew Norwell. And I think he brought up Norwell last week. I mean, here's the thing. At this point, the Patriots only bringing those guys. If they're looking at their tackle depth saying, oh my God, we're in big trouble. Right. Like, I don't know if that's the case, right. Are they looking at that saying, yikes, like this, this right tackle situation is a disaster or Trent Brown has looked terrible. And we just absolutely cannot go into the season with the left tackle and right tackle position the way it is, right? Maybe they look at this situation and they say, hey, Mike Owen has been hurt. Bill Myers looks really good at right guard. What if we just bump on one who out to right tackle? I, I know they I know they really don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, 
but might that be their best option? I don't know, right? And that, that's and we had where we're at right now. And we still, I mean, Jake Andrews is banged up right now. So we don't know what he's going to look like. Antonio Maffi is a guy who's a rookie who is a total question mark city. So is a total question mark right now. Andrew, Andrew Stuber, who they drafted last year, missed all of last season. Not good. Oh, he's so bad. Oh, he's so okay. bad. As, so not as, a question mark. As, my, guy, yeah. as my, my guy, BKL has put it. He said, uh, he said, I, I, uh, I've seen turnstiles that put up better resistance than Andrew Stuber. Not good. All it's right. Good. Well, maybe yeah, maybe they put the pads on next week and things magically change. Um, but yeah, and offensive line play is so hard right now to figure out because you know one day with pads on as of us recording this. So I think right. this is going to be one of those where all right, when we check back in, I don't know if we do a show next Monday, we'll have a lot better of an idea of what that looks like. And then I think in particular after that first preseason game, once we get into joint practices, yes, that's where this that's going to start to take take some real shape. Um, yeah. It's hard, hard to learn, know anything, learn anything about that offensive line battle, except for where guys are on the depth chart right now. Yep. No, hundred percent. And, and someone mentioned that it's weird that they brought Carlos mentioned. It's weird. That they brought in younger offensive linemen for workouts today. The reason they're doing that is because they're getting guys that are, they're looking at guys that are specifically depth people and that's it. Yeah. Just depth guys. Um, yeah. and that's all they're looking for. So Murph, I am not home. I'm Murph asked if I was home. I'm not home yet. I'm at my parents' house, actually. <laughs> They're the ones that have this sweet look at that thing. Woo! I love it. So but no, they uh that's something the Patriots do too. Like they they work out guys constantly to have a list of guys who they can go to if necessary. It's the hey, you know, let's say let's say if if they know Calvin Anderson's not gonna be back, if they know Jake Andrews isn't gonna be back, and they gotta sign a couple guys on the offensive line to fill spots, that's why you work guys out. Yeah, yep, I agree. Oh, Murph, yes. Go, go rents. That's right. Parents crushing it. Um, yes. So anyways, uh, let's see. There was a question that asked, uh, Stad Skywalker asked a question about Keon white. I haven't seen a ton of, of Keon white yet, but pads haven't really been on yet. It's hard to tell what defensive linemen are going to do. What I can tell you is that every single person on the defense that talks about Keon white raves about him raves about his um about his work ethic raves about his size and athleticism so i think that good things are coming for keon white i think that's kind of what we expected but good things i think are coming for keon white we're just not there yet because i haven't seen it because they haven't been hitting yet right and it's really hard to to look at what a defensive lineman is going to do offensive lineman you can kind of see like hey is he at least getting in front of the guy how's his technique how's his footwork Defensive lineman, you can't really see any of that stuff without pads on. And so, you know, there's no way to know just yet. Well, I thought this was kind of notable just because I noticed that today, the first day with pads on, saw it mentioned that with Judon basically just only doing rehab stuff right now, which that's kind of a a big question mark. I'm not really worried about that at the moment, uh, but that's a later problem. But that is weird. Uh, it seems like Keon White is the guy taking his his spot in those lineups right now, which could just be you know an experience thing, and, and that's another thing that's hard to gauge right now. Like, are they do they have Keon White, Marty Mapu, and really those two guys out there right now because they want they they're confident in the veterans, they want to throw guys these guys into the fire to get them the reps, or do they think these guys are right off the bat ready to go with the filthy spots? Question to be answered, but. I haven't heard bad things about Keon White, and uh, he did. He did an interview with somebody recently that I was watching. He was talking about how 
the New England is like the best spot to go if you're a rookie. He talked about how Bill will just walk around the field and he just kind of has notes for everybody on everything. Like he's, we have, we've all seen the stuff he'll do with different stuff. He'll, he'll be doing special teams adjustments. He'll come over and he'll correct a defensive lineman's technique and he'll give advice and pointers and all this stuff. And he said, if you're a young player and you want to make money in the NFL, come to New England for four years, learn from Bill Belichick. I think they'll sign an awesome deal because you're going to be a very good football player. Um, I like, I like hearing that. And it sounds like uh, he's very bought in on learning in New England. If you do that, I, you're going to, he has the athletic traits and he has the mentality. I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowl guy, but I have a hard time believing he's going to be a bad player. Right. Well, and that's, and that was, you know, kind of the word from him immediately, right? At, at Georgia tech, he like fought teammates because they weren't professional enough for him. And he was pissed about that. Right. And so yeah. that's exactly the type of guy that the Patriots want around here, right? No nonsense yes. goes to work every day, you know, you know, lunch pail and whatever, you know, the whole, the, you know, all that hard, all that stuff. But, but he's also happens to be an athletic freak who, who is like one of those guys, you know? So, yeah. so it's interesting, and you know? Yeah. And for what it's worth, I've heard Anthony Jennings, especially with his time at Alabama, was also that kind of guy. He was a captain on that Alabama team and somebody they looked up to. And like, I don't, we'll see what things are going to look like. But when you got to stop the run, if it's Keon White and Anthony Jennings and, and Jawan Bentley and Jelani Tavai out there, as your linebackers will say, or however they're going to have them playing out there. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just such a, a physically and mentally tough group to go against. I like my chances with that group. Yeah, I agree. And so we'll see what happens. But And I don't know if Jennings is going to make the squad. You know, that's a guy that's a fringe guy for sure. I do like Jennings a lot. Um, I lo- I always loved calling him Penning Jennings. And then, you know, last year, uh, what's his name? I was like, don't do that. That's my guy. Spence? Yeah, Spence. I was like, don't do that. I was like, okay. Yeah. Spence, I know. But no, but I, I, I do think that um, I do think that he has a chance to make the squad. Ronnie Perkins at this point, I feel like, is out. I forgot he existed. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, but I am excited about And these young guys, man, like, it looks like another year of of studs, um, Yeah, you know, yeah. in the draft. So, I mean, long way to go. Long way yeah. to go. But that's what I'm, I'm excited for you. Yeah. I want to bring up a comment. We saw Josh Potter said this is a while ago. Um, I had just mentioned uh, a guy being slept on is Jabril Peppers. Came off an ACL injury last year. Now with a full year under the system, he will flourish. I think he's really one of the the guys who has one of the highest ceilings and the lowest floors of any player on this roster. He's the right. type of guy who could find himself as the odd man out with Adrian Phillips and Marty Mapu and guys like that kind of taking his job. But he also, like Josh Potter points out here, is in his second year in the system and is healthier than he was last year. And that's right. where you see guys explode and turn into X-Factors, as Jelani Tavai found out. Uh, very loudly earlier today getting blown up in the backfield. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I'll also point out here too, is that they got a lot of guys there at safety who are good. And if you're looking to make some kind of a trade here to bolster, you know, offensive line depth or running back depth or receiver depth or something like that, you can sell a guy like Jabril Peppers, I feel like, and get a decent return on him. If you like the other guys you have at that spot. Right. Which is true. I, I just think they have the versatility to do so many things 
that I don't want to move on from any of those guys. You know, I'm not, I'm not rushing him out the door. I think you only do it if you're getting an offer that you really like. But you know, you have a lot of high value guys at a spot like that. That's a good problem to have. I agree. I do agree. That's a good yeah. point. So, yeah. um, Josh Potter did mention the real question is why is Tavai playing fullback? Have you got lit up by peppers? Someone did. Someone asked if if uh, actually who was it? Give is that up. old man mom. Um, what? Uh, sorry, where is it? No, yeah, it was old man mom. Yeah, if if he really would be playing fullback, right? And I, I mean, look, I think it would be fun to see like someone like Christian Barmore out there at at detail. Carl Davis fullback. Carl Dayton. Carl Davis too big. You can't you can't put Carl <laughs> Davis there fullback. That's that's outrageous. But like someone, some somebody like you know Barmore or someone like that 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 could play fullback and just absolutely demolish someone coming through the middle. I mean, imagine Barmore with. Uh, let's just say Carl Davis because it's fun. Imagine Carl Davis with a full head of steam just coming downhill on a linebacker. Like that's not even fair. <laughs> you know? That would be ridiculous. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Well, and we'll see if it gets used in the regular season. But they're practicing it now, and it yeah. it could be something you know keep guys engaged. Which I also did like. You know, you got guys getting banged up today, and Bill brings the team together to kind of yeah. say, "Hey, we want to be healthy here. Let's keep the team." And and. I, you know, he's a really good head coach. Those are the things that head coaches do. And you get right. a fun goal line drill to end it, the defensive player playing offense. Like, that's fun. And what was it? I think Juju Smith-Schuster had said today or yesterday at some point, he was asked his most most surprising thing about being in New England. He said it was about Bill Belichick having a fun side. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true. And people don't think he has that side. But anyone that knows him, anyone that's been around long enough, knows and has heard the stories about how much he likes players and how much he, he does. And so... You know, he it, had it is, Rob freaking Gronkowski as like the high, one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL for how right. long? Right. Yeah. No, and that's that's the thing, you know. So I always my favorite, you know, one of my favorite stories. Lenny Clark tells it and uh, told it actually on this podcast years ago now, but said before the 07 Super Bowl, Belichick brought him in into a team meeting and he just ripped on Belichick for like a half an hour, just absolutely lit him up in front of the whole team and the team is dying laughing and Lenny's dying laughing and Belichick's dying laughing too. And it's like, meanwhile, it's in front of the whole team and the team's going, yeah. you know, and so it's just, it's one of those things. And, and that's, you know, and, and uh, Dark Pugol points out the, the Randy Moss Halloween. And so it's, it's, oh, it's sorry. Yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those interesting things. So I, I do think that Belichick is, is, um, is easier going than people than people suggest uh, that people. Think I think he's, he's and that's the media projection. That's it. I think that's his choice. Yeah. I think that's what he wants people to think of him. Yeah. Well, and he's just like I don't know. I think I think if you genuinely show passion and care about what you're doing, he'll respect that. If you're there right. trying to get a quote, he's going to show that as much respect as what you're showing him. Exactly. Um, right. And he knows how this works. So I don't. Know, I, mean, I think he's. If you're a good player, you respect the game, you put in the work, you do what you're asked to do, and you get a pretty long leash for basically anything else that's going on. Yeah. Right? And that's how, like, Kendrick Bourne, you have the funny moment with Ian Bourne, you know, giving the fist bump, and they'll yeah. come over saying, oh, you're, you're sweaty already, or whatever it was, right. something like that. And it's also, hey, you got a guy like uh, Bill Murray out here. The convert was, is this year three or year four in New England for him? Still hanging around. Getting winning awards and Belichick talking up and all that, like put in the work. You're gonna have a coach who's behind you and will say it, and he's gonna have your back on that stuff. That's how it is in New England. Hundred uh, percent, I agree. Yeah. There are a few things, a few people asking Carlos and Old Man Mob are asking about the Judon situation. And yeah. look, I think 
I think it bears watching. I'm not I'm not nervous about Judon just yet, right? And Judon has been open with the media and has talked to the media and says, look, I'm fine. It's just, you know, it's precautionary stuff. I, you know, faded at the end of last year. And he said he wants to make it a priority and the team wants to make it a priority that he doesn't do that again this year. And so, you know, he wants to put more work in now. He wants to not hit as much now. He's going to save his body as much as he can. And so I think when you look at it that way, and look, maybe that's BS. I don't know, right? But that it sounds yeah. like, you know, that they're just, it's precautionary and they're just working on some things, right? And so, again, I don't know, but that's what it sounds like. Get him back into shape, save him a little bit because he, if he can play the way he plays at the beginning of the last two seasons, he's unbelievable. But then he's faded the last two years, he's faded at the end of the year. And so if we can yeah. save him a bit, I think uh I think that you know that would be great. So and ZTAC yeah. also mentioned he dunked on Asante Samuel, which was fantastic. On well, X or Twitter or whatever whatever it's called. Well, we're calling it Twitter. I don't uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's I don't know. I'm not he Judon doesn't seem worried. Belichick doesn't seem worried. Pads just came on. We're still ways away from the season. I think there's a point where you become concerned about it, but I'm not yet. In some ways, the point where you become concerned is like week 12 of the season because he's doing this to save his legs and all that. And we've seen him kind of two right. years in a row fade to a certain extent down the stretch. And all right, yeah. this is that's the time where you make your money. And I say this team ends up in the postseason next year, which I very well could. You need a healthy, fully 100% Matt Judon to win a playoff game. And being like, that's why you're doing this. So you're put, you're putting your money there. So that's kind of where I think we judge this, this load management. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so, you know, we'll see about contract situations. I am it. I am going to be following the contract situations very carefully on when it was still hurt. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't come back yet. I think it's unlikely he gets a contract extension before he comes back. Kyle Duggar, even Judon. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson. Those guys are guys that I think are are interesting candidates for extensions. Ramondre is a guy that everyone's talking about. Right, why uh, running backs not getting a ton of money? Maybe maybe you try to sign Ramondre to a, to an extension right now and lock him up for. He, he's not. not a ton he's of not money. eligible yet. They got to wait another year, right? No, he's going into his third year. Is he not? Yeah, I think you have to wait until they're going into year four now. This is what the Patriots used to do. This is where they used to always get guys and sign them right. as a coach out a year. Yeah. Yep. You're um, right. Yeah. Just tough. But I know I know we're gonna wrap up here in a sec. We gotta do our trivia and our honestly in sports history. Yes. Before we get to that, I do want to hear brief thoughts on the running back situation around the NFL, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. I'm curious what your opinion is. I mean Jim RSA just it's, it's you know. <laughs> To quote Stephen A. Smith, get off the weed. Like, what are you doing, man? You have the best running back in football, and you're out there talking about how running backs don't matter and this and that and stop crying about your money. And then he fires off some tweet about how if he dies tomorrow and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league tomorrow that no one's ever going to remember them. Like, what are you doing, dude? I just – the guy is – bizarre behavior. He's completely lost it. And, you know, Taylor – you know, whatever Taylor wants his money and I don't blame him. Right. A position that, you know, they, you know, those guys are gone. They're in and out. Right. And so I get it. I I don't blame Taylor for wanting his money. I never blame a player for wanting their money. 
but you also got to look at the market, buddy. Like if if no yeah. running backs are getting paid, you're not getting paid because no running backs are getting paid. Because yeah. if you become a free agent, no one else is paying you. So the Colts yeah. aren't going to pay you. No, and it's it's kind of funny because in some ways, if we want to trace this back, it all kind of comes back to a snowy Sunday or Saturday or whatever. It's a snowy Sunday in Foxborough in 2004 with a Colts loss and them <laughs> complaining about the rules after. We talk about – I mean. Running backs are less valuable now because we've changed the rules to make passing so much more important that uh, in today's NFL. And, and I will say, you know, there's this. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, there's just this. There's this weird thing right now. Like running backs, individual running backs are not that valuable when it comes to actual winning football games. But as fans, you see them a lot. They do a lot. They're very entertaining to watch right. and. A lot of people interact with the game through fantasy football. Fantasy running backs are way more valuable to fantasy football than NFL running backs are to winning NFL football. So you end up with this uh, perception gap where fans look at running backs as these very valuable and entertaining assets. And teams look at running backs as disposable, which I'm sure if you want to do the math, to a certain degree, they absolutely are, which is unfortunate. And you end up in a situation where you just have a huge gap between the perception of what somebody should be paid and what they are actually paid. It's, running backs are entertaining, and I think they should get paid a lot of money because they, they get hurt a lot and they do something that's hard to do and fun to watch. So pay right. them their money, but it's hard to blame any NF, individual NFL team for not wanting to pay a guy. Well, and that's the thing, right? And and by the way, Nagan, I believe is his name, yes. is, is talking about how the Colts don't take care of their star players, and he's 100% correct. I mean, and Jim Murphy's like, look at how we take care of our, our Colts. I was like, you want to say that? Yeah, you're the worst example of that, right? Between, <laughs> yeah. you know, from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, now Jonathan Taylor, and, you know, and a million guys in between, they don't take care of their star players, right? And so, and so I agree with them. I agree with him 100%, but I think running backs as a whole, to me, I wouldn't go so far. I think I think the trace back to 04 makes a lot of sense. To me, I would trace it back to uh, a guy uh, who played for Pittsburgh and then went to the Jets uh, by the name of Le'Veon Bell, who decided to sit out yeah. a year and then got paid a whole crap ton of money to go play for the Jets and was washed by the time he got there, right? Yeah. And so I think that that was kind of the litmus test. I want my money. They're not going to give it to me. I was sitting out a year. Now I'm going to get paid. And as soon as he got paid, he was terrible. And so yeah. now I think teams since then, teams have been very wary about paying running backs a good amount of money to do, to yeah. you know. And so, you know, but again, we can argue about whether it matters or not. Like Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. The Browns are terrible every single year. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the league. The Colts stink all the time. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, and you can go back and it's forth tough. and you could say, oh, this team and that team. But you look at all the best running backs in the league None of them are on good teams. You know, they're just and the not. Chiefs and the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with a seventh round rookie as your running back. And that's that's right. what's tough because I love running backs and they're fun to watch. And also like how much do they contribute to actually right. winning football right. games? And they're also, you know, they're not that hard to find. Uh you can get guys who are fine, a C plus a running back. You can pretty much pick those guys up off the street at any point. Um, and you can get guys on a rookie deal. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, we'll see if they give Ramondre Stevenson an extension. 
there's a world here where you say you run Ramondre Stevenson into the ground for the next two years and let him go somewhere else and you draft another running back next year who's going to replace him in two years. Right. Like that's there's a world where you say that and you never pay a lot for running back, you know, it's get good production there, which is, you know, it's crappy for the players. Um, and I'm not right. saying this is a good system for them. I'm saying if you're if you're a management, this is what you do. I don't I like Ramondre Stevenson. I don't want to see that happen to him as a human being. The the other part of this, at least, that I think makes things easier now is with NIL in college. That's in some ways when running backs are in their primes and being able to start making money off of what you do physically at an earlier age, I think long-term should help offset some of this. It's obviously you know, not an equalizer, right. but right. should help a little bit. Yeah. No, I agree. And, that's, and that is one kind of nice side effect to the NIL is that guys are able to make their money in college. And then if they get to the pros and they and they flame out or they get hurt or whatever the case may be, that they've already made some money in college, which is nice, you know. Yeah. So and you know, and again, and Nagan says you can't blame a running back for how bad the QB is. And you're hundred percent correct about that. That's true. Yeah. But it that's not that's not what we're saying. We're saying that no. if you look at the hit, I mean, look at the playoff teams from last year. Give me a playoff team from last year that had an elite running back. That I'm sorry, one of the final four teams. Right, that were that was in, and maybe you want to call Joe Mixon an elite running back. I guess are we calling Joe Mixon an elite running back? Maybe, right? So you got Joe Mixon in, in Cincinnati. You had Pacheco in Kansas City, right? You had, uh, well, I guess McCaffrey, right? But did they, yeah, make, well, the, I, did they make the NFC Championship game? They did, right? And I mean, they, they were good. They, oh yeah, they did, and they lost because they had no quarterback play in that game. Quarterback, sorry. true. Good point. But, like they're good really point. good. And I honestly, I, I kind of, in some ways, put it. I think you got really good running, really good running production from right. all of the teams that lasted in the playoffs last year. You yes. just didn't necessarily have to pay one individual running back to oh, get right. that production. Well, that, that's the thing, right? Running is still important in the NFL. You win, you can win games by running, like Philadelphia did a lot last year, right? Yeah. But Jalen, yeah. Jalen Hurts was one of their best rushers, right? And Miles yeah. Sanders was their number one rusher, I guess. Miles Sanders isn't good. He's yeah. not on them anymore. He's not on, he's not yeah. on the Eagles yeah. anymore this well, year. You know what I mean? So it's... Yeah. And if you want to be an elite team, you have to be able to pass the ball. If you want to be able to pass the ball, that means you have to have a good offensive line. If you have a good offensive line, you're not going to have a bad running game regardless of who's back there. And the difference between an average running game and an elite running game probably alone is not getting you over the hump to win a championship. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's, and it's tough. Like I did, I wish this wasn't the reality of the NFL today. And we'll see if this changes because the game is ever changing and they can probably change rules to tweak this. If they want, you can train cut, tweak contract stuff like yeah i'm sure there's going to be fixes and, and and changes coming at some point down the line um it's just going to stink for the guys who are caught in the middle but before any of that comes down right it's definitely true and you know someone came out with the with the what the graphic that the average salary of a kicker is higher than the average salary of a running back which again is skewed because the data i mean there's so many more running backs than there are kickers and almost all the kickers yeah. in the nfl are starters as opposed to there's a ton of backup running backs in the nfl but still yeah just the fact that it's that close, it's still not great, you know? Yeah. Well, it's all young. It's all rookies. Like, it's all or guys guys on rookie deals. Yeah. There's a whole lot of that filling out, you know, the, right. the last two spots on the depth chart for running back everywhere and things like that. I mean. Yeah. No, um, 100%. So. Yeah. So, all right. Great conversation on that. So, all right. Let's get to our let's get to our final two segments. Uh, we have uh, this week in sports history first, and then we'll finish 
with our trivia question. A good trivia question this week. So, um, yeah. So, all right, here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, you want to go first, Matt, or you want me to go first? Oh, oh, wait, oh you hit it again. This week. Oh, it's moving. Right. My mistake. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, all right, I got, I got a good one here. I like this one. And uh, it's perfect timing. I'm wearing my, my Red Sox shirt. Shout out the Sox. They're playing as we record this. I have no idea what the score is. I would uh, I yeah, saw Jaron Brand steal second base and score. Well, love that. Love that. We got trade deadline right around the corner here, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. But on this day in 1961, uh, this is July 31st, 1961, the second they had two MLB All Star games this year. I don't know why that was a thing. With the second of them was played at Fenway Park, and it ended. In a tie, it ended 1-1 after nine innings, and it was raining, so they didn't continue the game into extras. So, yeah. Interesting. I like that one. Very, yeah. I don't know why they played two all-star games, but. That is strange, isn't it? That is awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know what? Speaking of the Red Sox, um, I believe Nomar was traded on – um, oh man! July thirty first, right? Was he not traded on July thirty first? He was. Let me tell um, you, yeah, that was my first true sports heartbreak as a kid. Nomar was my favorite, favorite player ever, and I still remember my. I think my uncle was coming into town that day, and he got yeah. in the house, and uh, I think they had heard he'd heard on the radio on the way to our house that Nomar had been traded, and he was the one to break the news. And I think I was inconsolable for the rest of the day. It was rough, but you know what? It put them over the hump. I I, I am officially Necessary. in the you know was a hundred percent, hundred percent that it had to be done, and it was the right move. Still hurt, yeah. still hurt. Murph's right; he yeah. quit, but doesn't matter. He was a legend here, and and always will be as far as I'm yeah. concerned. So, uh, yes. Dark Blue Gold has one from on July thirty first, nineteen ninety six. Michael Johnson won the 200 meter at the Atlanta Olympics in a world record 19.32, 200 meters in 19 seconds uh, to become the first man to compete, to complete the 200, 400 double. It's pretty wild, pretty wild. Um, All right. So my actual one was not the no more one. So uh, on this day in 1972, July 31st, 1972, Chicago infielder, Dick Allen becomes only the seventh player in MLB history to hit two inside the park home runs in one game. Uh, both of them off Burt, Burt Blylevin and uh, the, the White Sox won eight to one over the twins. So that's yeah, incredible. There you go. Two inside the park home runs. I, what I can't believe is that seven guys have done that in the same game, seven inside the park home runs. So, uh, so yeah, so there you go. Well, before, you know what, before we get to, before we get to the trivia question, there was one really fun thing that I wanted to, uh, Al asked this question here, and I'll just throw. Oh it. yeah, yeah. So uh, he said, "Back to the Troy Brown at cornerback conversation. If Belichick had to choose a wide receiver to project uh, projected to make this season's roster to fill in a corner, who do you think would get the nod at corner? So this is a wide receiver, and this isn't Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham is not projected to make the roster right now, so you can't really use Malik Cunningham. A guy that's projected to make the roster. Who do you think?" would fill in at corner if he had to choose them. Great question. I think it, I think it's got to be Kendrick Bourne. 
I think he's the only guy who has the combination of quickness and foot speed and size to actually do it. I think in theory, it's Demario Douglas, but I don't think he's big enough to actually make that happen. I think Bourne's also kind of, you know, enough of a playmaker on uh, where, you know, maybe he can make some plays on the defensive end. He's, he's enough of a, an emotional leader. I think you could trust that he would buy in if he was asked to do it. And he's low enough on the depth chart that you're now, you're not sacrificing your offense for it. I love it. That's a great answer. I think KB is the only answer. I mean, DeMario Douglas is, he kind of, he could, you could project him into that Marcus Jones type role where like he, but you just don't know how physical, like that's the thing is you just don't know how physical he is. Marcus Jones is a physical guy. Like he likes to hit people. Tomorrow, Douglas, you, you feel like probably doesn't want to hit people quite as much, right? And and yeah. so Taekwon, um, that's guy. I, I see a lot of, of, see a lot of Taekwon answers here in the chat. Taekwon's not tackling anybody out oh, there. God, you see God. how big he is? Oh. No, that's not happening. He, he'd be like Deion Sanders out there. I'm not tackling this guy. But I mean, yeah. he does have he does have the speed. Merv says Trey Nixon and Merv, I love you so much, Merv. But Trey Nixon isn't making the team. I just I love him. <laughs> But he's not making the team. Practice squad yeah. legend. Uh, you know, he's the only guy, only guy elected to the Patriots Hall of Fame that never uh played <laughs> an actual game. But what the hell, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I love the I love the Matthew Slater answer from Dark Blue Gold. I think so if good. we're counting him, it's probably him. He's probably he's special team experience, probably you yeah. know, he, we know he can tackle. I think he can cover a guy in theory. So I think yeah. he's the guy. Yeah. Also, before we do our question, because it seems like Demario Douglas is making this roster now. What what jersey number does he take? Oh, because all I can think is that old-fashioned Dion Branch 83, I think, would look real good on him out there. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. I feel like Dark Blue Gold says zero. That would be kind of Christian good. Gonzalez has that locked up. Oh, but I don't know. Does Gonzalez get 24? All the Patriots' great cornerbacks. Josh Bledsoe. Josh Bledsoe yeah, has 24. Just, I think Josh Bledsoe get, can his roster. You know, just, you know, maybe they switch, you know, yeah. Bledsoe maybe takes 31 or something like that, you know, and and, uh, and you give. From Jonathan Jones. <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Uh, no, I was going to say 33. is taking the zero. No, you're He's right. Taken. You are, you are yeah. probably right. So I do like the 83 idea. Um, that's a good one. I feel like he's a small guy who, um, you know, I feel like should have like a, you know, like a teens number. Could be 15. Of course, Waitman isn't going to make the team. Yeah, so, he's 15. Car- Carlos in the chat. Mac Wilson gets cut. He could take three. Three was Ooh. his college number. So I think that makes sense. I could yes. throw out six. Six, two feels like it'll open up with Nick Folk having it yeah, right good now. Point. Good point. Uh, which I don't know if he would take that. But Keon White wore six he did. in college. So, that could happen. Uh, great but yeah. Maybe tomorrow Douglas will take, will take six because he's will be twice as good as he was in, in college. <laughs> That was a math. That was a math joke. I, it's listen. It's it's almost August. You know, I'm I'm back. To, You're getting back into form as a teacher a little bit. You know, so yeah, yeah. All right, let's do a trivia question. Uh, I'll let you. You can read it. You have this week's question. Yes, I have this week's question. Um, and so just just as a reminder, right? The first person to to, to get the right answer. And by the way, we're gonna be on for like two minutes after this. So like, maybe you get it, maybe you don't. I would say less than two minutes will be on afterwards. But the first person to get it right, yeah. either in in the live chat or as a comment online um, afterwards, and uh, will be entered into a drawing to win something. So, here's yes. your question: In 1992, in 1992, the Patriots went two and fourteen. 
please name the starting quarterback from the Patriots' two victories in 1992. I'll be curious to see if anybody gets this one. I'm not, I'm not going to read the chat. I'm blocking out the chat for this one. I don't want this spoiled. I don't want to know. Um, here, while, while people submit their answers, Pat, if you have to look at folks on one thing for the next week here for Patriots training camp, what are you putting your eyes on? Offensive line. Offensive and defensive line to me is, is the big thing. I love the fact that we're in pads again. We can actually see what those guys can bring. And then we're going to see. We're going to see what our offensive line really looks like. We're going to see what, what what kind of talent we have on the defensive line as well. That's what I'm most excited about. When the pads go on, it's about the interior. It, well, it's about the, the guys in the middle, right? The in the offensive line and the defensive line. Those are the guys that I'm most focused on. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the corner rotation. I want to see. I want to see how this ends up shaking out. The calendar's flipping to August here. Ten days away from the first preseason game. I can taste it. Oh my goodness! Football this Thursday night. Not the Patriots, but still football this Thursday night. Pretty. And we get to laugh at the Jets already. I can't wait get to watch them on Hard Knocks and laugh at them. You know I'm tuning in for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Zach Wilson. We can see how we remind ourselves how terrible Zach Wilson is. So it would be very funny if Zach Wilson played well. It would be very funny. I would agree. QB controversy in, in New York. Yeah, imagine if imagine if Wilson plays really well in like the three preseason games or the four preseason games, and, and Rogers uh, it up, and and then Rogers comes out and is terrible at the beginning. It'd be so awesome. So, oh yeah, I would love that. And living in the New York media market, I would I'll just I'm turning off that sports radio all day to hear the narratives if that happens. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, anyways, all right. Well, that's all we got for this for this week's show. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, and we can go from there. And we have two correct answers in the chat uh but darpu gold don't spoil, got to don't it. spoil oh, uh, no okay. no i say darpu gold got okay. to it first though uh carlos okay. with the correct answer as well but uh that's as far as we'll go all right thanks yeah. guys appreciate it and we will uh we'll talk to you next week